Hello and welcome to I Don't Get It, the pop culture get off my lawn cast, featuring the curmudgeonly yet open-minded musings of two guys in their early 40s as they stare down the prospect of entertainment irrelevance. I am your co-host, my name is Noah Tarno. I am from The Big Quiz Thing, the trivia, game show, spectacular. And with me is my co-host, the one, the only, the filmmaker from American Caesar Enterprises, Mr. Bill Scurry. Good day to you, sir. How are you, Noah Tarno? I'm not bad, it's nice to see you again. This is our fourth uh, episode in which we record it in person. So, as always, we look at some topics, something the kids are into, and try to make sense of it. And today, the hottest new show, TV show among teenagers in 2017, the Netflix program 13 Reasons Why, or as the title is styled on the show, The One Artine R3 Asins Why. <laughs> Not mm. since Numb Three Years has there yeah. been a catchier title. Or uh, S7N. <laughs> that movie with Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman. All right, so 13 Reasons Why is a Netflix TV show. It debuted in March. All 13 episodes dropped. 13 episodes, what are the odds? Uh, it's based on the best-selling 2007 young adult book by Jay Asher of the same title. Uh, it was originally, um, the film rights were bought by Universal Studios. They were going to make a film starring Selena Gomez, but uh, later it became a TV show, executive produced by Selena Gomez. 13 episodes star uh, many young actors and some not so young, including Dylan Minnette and Catherine Langford. It is a story primarily of Clay, played by Dylan Minnette, who uh, is bequeathed a box of cassettes from Hannah, played by Catherine Langford. Hannah has committed suicide, and she made the tapes as her sort of unique suicide note, and the show follows Dylan listening to the tapes. Each tape tells the story of Hannah's relationship in flashback with some member of their school community or family community, and how their interactions ultimately took a part in leading to her tragic demise. The show has become a big hit. Uh, it's received a lot of critical acclaim. My former colleague at Time Out New York, Leah Greenblatt, now writing for Entertainment Weekly, said the show is, quote, a frank, authentically affecting portrait of what it feels like to be young, lost, and too fragile for the world. Uh, these episodes got some pretty good directorial talent behind it. First few episodes directed by Tom McCarthy. Uh, there was an episode directed by Greg Araki, director of Smiley Face, which I love that movie. Very good movie. Uh, a few episodes by Jessica Yu, who uh, I know her from having directed a few episodes of The West Wing. Uh, and the show, uh, as aforementioned, deals quite a bit with suicide. And it has received some praise and some criticism from various experts on the topic of suicide, specifically teen suicide and depression, uh, with some people concerned that it is sending some wrong messages. The National Association of School Psychologists sent a letter to mental health, school mental health professionals across the country about the series, reportedly a first for the NASP in response to the show. Uh, certain studies have said the show has led to a phenomenon called suicide contagion, which is in which people are exposed to the concept of suicide and they become more likely to at least flirt with the idea. There is some controversy. On the other hand, it deals with some other heavy topics, including sexual harassment, including online harassment, including peer pressure, uh, teen drug use, things like that. And there's been quite a bit of praise on how they deal with it in a frank and honest manner as Leah Greenblatt says. It's been renewed for a second season, which I don't understand how you get that out of this concept, but whatever. What do you think? It's bold entertainment, and it is 
built almost conceptually, it would seem, for right. Netflix, because you have your 13-chapter right. model, your 58-minute run times. Um, and they looks like they did not starve it for dollars. You have a good production no, it's, value. Yeah, it's well produced. It was all shot in North Bay out in Vallejo, right? Just right. Uh, north of where you are. And um, it looks very American, for sure. <laughs> it looks like your standard, it almost looks like the town from Halloween. You know, there, there's yeah, kind right, of something sure. about it. it. I'm sure that's supposed to work in its favor. I wouldn't say I enjoyed it though. Um, <laughs> I, only because this wasn't made for us. This was definitely no, not made. not at all. This is based on a YA book. Yes. Um, and I know a thing or two about YA books because my wife writes them. I know for a fact that we can understand the auspices of the story. We can understand the themes that they're talking about. But I feel like the actual execution is melodramatic, uh, indicative of YA material. It, it's funny because one of the, sorry to interrupt. One of the thoughts I had is um, I don't really think these existed so much when we were kids. But there there seems to be a whole universe of TV shows that like adults are barely aware of stuff on like Nickelodeon, the Disney Channel. The Thundermans, Wizards of Waverly Place, and some, Stevens, Stevens, yeah, like and like that. things that I barely like. I only learn about these things when I do quiz shows for kids, and I'm like, yeah. "What wins the team? You know, the Kids Choice Awards and stuff like this." And it's a universe of this stuff, and I almost feel like those are all comedies, as far as I know. So this feels like, a, like a serious drama, but like within this hermetically sealed, self-contained universe, like not intended for anyone over the age of 17 or something. 13 Reasons, I think the book was a pretty big deal. Much the same way like Fault in Our Stars. Right. And uh, Paper, was it called Paper Cities, Paper Towns? I forget that other adaptation. Paper Planes, the, the MIA. Stuff. Paper Planes, the MIA, yeah. Um, I, I, so I feel like it has a big footprint. It's just it's, it's just right to the left of our blind spot. I mean, I'm right. perfectly aware of some of these things, but uh, they're not made for me. I felt like in watching this, uh, the, the tone in which it was striking was, was bone dry. It's bone dry, and I'm not saying it shouldn't be. Um, yeah. I'm saying is that it's amazing how taut the thread is from the beginning of each episode to the end of each episode. And there's no irony, other than characters None. being ironic. There's no sense of irony to None. it. Um, there's no humor. Uh, I counted one joke. I've watched four episodes, I counted one joke. Yeah. But I want to get more into that in a minute. So yeah, and again, I, I think it's okay. Um, there's a thing about me measuring the uh, intent and the way in which it was designed, the, the production value, the 13 episode thing as a whole, and the way the chapters break down and they play into each other, the casting. Uh, this, is, this was taken very seriously. Um, obviously, the people put a lot of thought into this, and I forget the showrunner's name, who, who's... Uh, 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 Brian Yorkey. Brian Yorkey. Right. Yeah, that was his thing, and he sort of took it from and wrote most of the episodes, right. and it was, it was his vision. I you know, would say that it, it's, again, fine prestige drama, which sounds like just a magic eight ball. But at the same time, I you know, didn't enjoy it. I didn't, yeah. I didn't like it. I would not have kept watching it if we weren't de describing You didn't it. keep watching it. Well, I, would, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have, I would have given it the 15 minutes and instead said, of not for me. Well, I mostly agree. I made it four episodes. I started from the beginning. I did not watch the end. Spoiler alert, it's in everything you read. The last episode apparently has a pretty, gra you've seen it, I haven't. Yeah, it's gnarly, pretty it's gnarly. Graphic depiction of the actual suicide. Yeah, I mean, I think there's some good stuff in here. I think there's some good performances. I think these kids are reasonably talented teenage actors. Uh, Kate Walsh, who's a character actor, plays Hannah's mother. And I actually think she's doing quite a good job in what cannot be an easy role. There's a good scene with her and the principal of the school, played by Steven Weber of Wings, the guy who got a high heel shoe in the eye in Single White Female. Remember that? <laughs> let's not forget that guy. Yeah, let's not forget. One of the great movie deaths of the 90s. Uh, nice little scene between the two of them. The, the non-suicide issues, harassment, 
uh, sexual assault, things like that. Uh, teen, invasion of privacy. Invasion of privacy, teen drug use. It seems very true to life to me. I mean, I was even mildly shocked by shit and fuck being used in the show because while every That's teenager true. talks that stuff all the time, you don't see it even in movies. Well, Netflix doesn't use that language. Netflix has a PG-13. Really? Yeah. Ne seriously. So what, they made an exception here. They made an exception. Well, that's they, interesting. If you watch other Netflix shows, like for instance, Luke Cage could go around saying, fuck this shit, motherfucker. And he doesn't. And right. just about every other thing on Netflix, with the exception of maybe Orange is the New Black, which I think is... Yeah, it's pretty it, filthy. And Glow, I would assume. House of Cards, they don't House say? Of, no, House of Cards does. But again, you're talking about a minority of the shows. Right. For the, for the most part, Netflix gives their, I assume Netflix gives their show this, this suggestion of creating a PG-13. And this space. is a show explicitly for people under 18. Exactly. So that's interesting. So that, yep. it felt very true to life. There's a, a scene decision. in one of the episodes I watched where Hannah is sexually assaulted. Sex, well, she's later act, raped, you yeah. tell me. But a guy grabs her ass. And that actually felt very true life to me. I thought Catherine Langford, who by the way is Australian. Of course she is, man. Of course. What was the chance? SAG rules mean that 14% of your cast has to okay, be Australian. Okay, fine. I thought her reaction felt very, <laughs> you know, the, the whole myth like, why didn't you say something when the man grabbed your boob? Because it doesn't work that way. Because it's shocking and it's horrifying. And oh. I thought her performance felt, I mean, I've never been a woman who's been molested, but it just felt more realistic to me. Yeah, sure. And more, at least you're facing something head on. So I like that. Uh, as always, you're more of an expert on this topic than I am. I think it's well-directed. Uh, but I made my little list of good and bad, and I have more things on my bad list. I think the structure is confusing. It's too many flashbacks, flash forwards, and I have trouble keeping track. I am no expert, but I do not feel like Hannah, as she portrays herself, as she records the tapes, she doesn't strike me as a suicidal teenager. She's a little too arch and clever. Oh, that's an execution. I mean, sure. I was a depressed teenager. I, you know, I thought about suicide. I was probably never close to it. We're getting a little too personal here. But that does not seem true to life to me. And I haven't studied this topic, whatever. There's some cliches here. I don't like the magical Latino character, you know? Oh, yeah, the kid with the, the Mustang. Tony. Tony, yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a, Clay has a friend who is not just Latino, but explicit. He's from the wrong side of the tracks, and he's got four older brothers. And is, he looks like you know, Bruno Mars. Yeah, he looks a lot like Bruno yeah. Mars. And he, he, he is almost a magical figure, much akin to the, the stock character, the magical Negro. Yeah. So I don't like that. That feels very forced to me. I, I see what the people mean, like the National Association of School Psychologists, about a poor view of causes of suicide. It's other people's fault. If only Clay had been reached out to her more. If only this teacher had done more, blah, 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 she wouldn't have killed herself. My impression is it doesn't really work that way, and it's not good to perpetuate that. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of cliches. There's a scene where Alex, give a blonde hair, oh, he falls in, you know this thing where the character falls in the pool in slow-mo? Like, yeah. enough already. <laughs> but Some my, Alan Ball shit right there. My biggest criticism, and you hinted at before, is this is dour stuff. There, I mean, I counted one joke in four episodes. I might be forgetting one. Um, it is so sour, and there's, you know, and people compare it to stuff like Freaks and Geeks, which was funny and had this heart and had this levity. Uh, it's compared a lot to my so-called life, which to be fair, I've seen almost none of, but my memory is that had a bit of a sense of humor, and I was shocked by this. If you read, the, for what it's worth, the Wikipedia page of 13 Reasons Why, and you get to the end, it says, you know, see also, Heathers, a 1988 movie that deals with a similar topic. I'm like, 
Whoa. I think you're, Heather's is like the, the uber black comedy. You're talking about very topically, cosmetically similar There's no, this is not a black comedy. This is a nothing comedy. No, but it's strictly about suicide and it's strictly about an age group. So you're talking about... You're talking about teenagers the, committing suicide is, is the only thing in common, and that's but, but that's it. That's why in the in the age but of it's Venn a completely diagrams, different genre. It's a completely different genre. Look, all right, your point, your and that point, and it brings home like there gotta be some fucking jokes here, and there are none. Hey, it's Hannah, Hannah Baker. It's me, live and in stereo. No return engagements, no encore, and this time absolutely no requests. Get a snack, settle in, because I'm about to tell you the story of my life. Why do people like this? That's a good question. I, I feel like it's pretty obvious to me in that this is made for the, in the same way that's not made for 42-year-old dudes yeah. uh, living in New York and San Francisco or whatever. This is specifically made for kids who are in the middle of it. At the same time, when I was a kid, I was just a smaller version of the man I am today. I didn't really have a lot of these issues. I, I didn't kiss people. I wasn't an aggressor. I was sort of like an out-of-body experience, but my whole body was out of body. I wasn't <laughs> living inside of the continuity of teenagers. So none of these things happened to me. And uh, I just wasn't playing this game where I was as invested in life as this, this fully realized portrait of this woman's life and all the people who intersected with her would indicate. So I'm looking at it thinking, oh, this is a movie. This is a TV show. This is, this is not participant drama. There's no mm -hmm. me in any of this, mm -hmm. which is fine. I don't need to do that. Um, but I can understand that today, with as fast as things move, with all these issues, every single thing that came up as a hot button here, which to us, we would say, that's a hot button. Mm -hmm. uh, the kids would just look at it and say, yeah, that's that thing where the woman's upskirt went out to everybody. And right. that was very blunt and thudding the way that hit. It yeah. was like a very, it was almost like something from the 80s, the sequence where everyone's right. phones in class dinged at the yeah. same time. Yeah. And they had the, uh, there was no nuance to that. Nothing yeah. secretive or And it seemed like it, the show is repetitive in that. Oh, first there's an upscared shot and she's humiliated, but then people forget about it. Then there's a photo of her kissing another girl and she's humiliated, but then people forget about that. And, and it's she just- she goosed and then she, yeah. Yeah, it's just every, it's like, well, really? She becomes Job. I mean, you know, seriously, the idea okay. that, that that's the problem with Hannah is that Hannah is this victim of unrelenting yeah. disaster. Th Thirteen reasons why I maintain faith in God. Eight simple rules for, for committing my suicide. For avoiding my suicide. Yeah. Um, but I think the, if you were a kid, I, I, there's so much here for you. I mean, I say kid, I mean whoever it is. That's Whether you're 10 years old and looking aspirationally at what life looks like up, or if you're 18 and 19 and have that little bit of nostalgia, thinking, oh, I'm still, I still kind of feel like I'm in that hot button world of people waking up and becoming humans like the, the mm -hmm. adult selves are being are being designed you know the only thing that seems unrealistic about this is that these kids are all these types like you said tony is almost all figured out there's no yeah. sort of halfways and sort of and, and and you know one of the nice things about occasionally a john hughes movie which aside from the comedy and the irony it boasts actually was kind of pretty ironic it was mostly just comedy that was brought right there were these weird things where every now and then a character would zip in between worlds and you would say, okay, this isn't just a sporto, a dweeb. Well, that's the whole point of Breakfast Club, right? Yeah, or even, you know, I think of the comedies. I think of, uh, you know, Bueller or, or right. um, uh, you great know, outdoors. Weird, weird Science, Great Outdoors. Yeah, Great Outdoors. Continental <laughs> Divide. These kids are just what they are. It's right. like everyone comes in and they're wearing varsity Letterman jacket and it's like as soon as Bryce walks into the pilot, yes, you the know. first thing you say, rapist. Yeah, he is okay. Coded as, as, as Caucasian Anglo yeah. rapist, and, and, and rich spoiled kid. Yeah. But so Bryce, yeah, Bryce is not really a character so much as a plot device. Yep. 
I'll give credit that there are other characters who have more depth. Sure. His friend Justin has more depth. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a cliche depth. Like, well, I don't even think it's a cliche, even though I've seen it before. The handsome jock kid who like secretly no. has this rough home life. Dempsey? Yeah, no, no. He, he yeah, did. and it, it, it's so it's. Some of the characters are better than others. But it's a fucking food fest for kids. It's like, you get to pick. You either get to be Catherine, not Kath, Catherine Langford Hannah. is the actor. Hannah. You get to be Hannah, and you get to have the experience of almost like being a mastermind. You know, this, right. this thing has this almost like evil genius plot where every single move has been preordained, and, you know, there's this top-down narration of everything with this mm -hmm. really wizened idea, this world-weary yeah. description. Yeah. Well, that's why she doesn't seem like oh, suicidal to me because that's, she's, that's a different, that's she's a different little too point. cool for school. But Clay, Clay is running around trying to play catch-up. Right. Clay is the inoffensive, Clay is soft, he's, he's yeah. uh, this sort of, he's reactive. Well, he's the audience surrogate. He's the audience surrogate. But I feel like both either Hannah and Clay could both be audience surrogates. You get to punch into which one of those you want, or even you get that's to switch. You get to swap right. between uh, occasionally I want to be mm -hmm. Hannah in this one, or it's like I recognize what Hannah went through because I got my ass grabbed. Mm -hmm. Or maybe something bad happened in Hot Tub. Or maybe at another point, maybe you say, yeah, I'm more like Clay and then I'm reactive. I'm just falling off my bicycle every six seconds, getting the shit beat out of me by Bryce. <laughs> he I, does look continually, like, befuddled. He yeah. does. He's got a really befuddled I, face. I don't know. I, I give that kid some credit. I... I I can believe he he will develop into I, you a know, credible I actor. I don't need to shit on his performance because he's young. He Whatever. just says he's got he's got like a pathos mask. Uh, you know, I mainly agree. I think these are issues that kids are preoccupied with, and they've always been preoccupied with them. I certainly was. It's good, or at least comforting, or at least interesting, to be addressed about these topics, and it it feels very of the moment and timely. You know, I feel like when we were kids, if anyone wanted to talk to us about depression or suicide or peer pressure. It always felt like it was, you know, these people speaking from on high. And patronizing. Patronizing. And they didn't understand the way things really were. You it know? Was, and it was and an obligation. Some dumbass PSA about, you know, like, oh, just don't let them bother you. Like, come on. But this feels like, it, it, it feels like it's, it's reaching them on their level and it knows the world and it's taking the time to understand the world. It's broaching these important issues in a realistic, understandable thoughtful way. Seriously. Yeah. So so I give it a lot of credit. It doesn't sugarcoat how shitty this stuff is. And that that's that touches a nerve and people are looking to connect. So how about this? I don't know if this is a tangent on popularity, but yeah. this you know, I mean I, I looked it up. It's, you know, the Vallejo, California setting. Not that it's right. ever name checked, but um, You see some Cal I was trying to figure it out. A, you could tell it's a California, you know, like backgrounds B, you see some California license plates. Yeah, okay. Um, the school has a student body that is dumped right out of central casting, and right. that, it's the, it's exactly split four ways ethno yeah. ethnographically. Yes, um, which may be true, maybe not, but it's like that's definitely well designed. The other thing is, is that it looks like, by all intents and purposes, a very sort of upscale, upwardly mobile yes. suburb. There's nothing kind of rough or tumble or or anything that would indicate a reality of the American lifestyle with economic plurality. Right. Like you have this racial plurality to it, but economically it's one picture where it is a very sort of, not lily white. Is it really? I, it, well, Bryce, Bryce lives in a mansion. Tony lives in a rough part of town. But Tony still lives, Tony still has a two car garage and he's driving a fucking Mustang. Yeah, well that is, well, 
all the more reason why he's a you know a magical character. He's a well, but my he point, might as well be a fairy. My you know, point is though, it doesn't into the it scene. doesn't resemble what people actually live in. It it, it, it the way Shermer Illinois was a stand-in in the eighties for everything yeah. that that he was wanted to put you in. It's like and nothing I ever saw in my life looked like Shermer Illinois. It looked like that was a fictional suburb of gigantic houses that Paul Dooley lived in with Molly Ringwald. Yeah, this to me. Which, which the setting would strike me as completely false, like a backdrop. It looks like Stars Hollow, you know, just something that was created as a, as a uh, conceit. I don't agree. Fiction always does that. Fiction always, unless it's bringing up how shitty things are, everyone lives in the perfect, you know, fantasy land. It might as well be Walt Disney World mm -hmm. to a certain extent. But I grew up in a town very racially mixed, um, very economically mixed. There was some, you know, not extreme poverty, but there was a little of it on the edges. And then there were some very wealthy people. And it had a very good public school system. So while there were some richie riches who went to private schools, like it was not foreign to have, you know, a kid in your public school, his parents are out of town, and there's a fabulous party at his giant mansion with a pool in the back. I went to some of those parties. Okay. I can believe, at least I can believe, that some of these places still exist. And I can certainly suspend my disbelief for the purposes of watching a teen drama. So that doesn't bother me. I think it cossets the blow a little bit. I think that it, it, it yeah okay. It takes away some of the harder edges of life, and it makes it seem like well, all things being equal, no one wants for anything, and there's this complete socioeconomic. But don't we see this in so much fiction that like you know the family that I mean I think about this I mean I know it's a broad comedy, but like Modern Family. That's too, yeah, and I got I got tired of that. They so all live in these big houses, and there's yeah. never economic questions. No, and it's, that, that's, they that, make enough money. And it's wa these waspy families. It's like looking at a family of, of Metcalf wasps, and it's like, all right, enough of, enough of this rubbing in the idea that somehow your job as a blogger and your husband's yeah. a lawyer yeah. somehow makes you have this five this five bedroom ranch in, yeah. in Palo Alto or something like that. How are things at school today? Same. Everyone still acting weird. And you? Um, how are you doing? Me, I'm fine. Noah Tarna, would you have liked this if you were a kid? I don't know. I'm trying to think of the similar thing I did like when I was a kid, or at least, or didn't like, and nothing's really coming to mind. I'm trying to think of any. I mean, the drama TV show I liked when I was a teenager was L.A. Law. You know, so I don't know why I liked that. I just yeah. It was interesting. Well, TV shows weren't um, designed for kids. They weren't designed for kids back Dramas then. Dramas weren't designed yeah. for kids. Yeah, I, I mean, this is like when I get back to those Nickelodeon Disney Channel shows that most adults have never heard of now, that's what I mean. There's sort of a universe of kids shows that didn't exist. You know, kids shows then were Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah. I don't think they were really shows for teenagers. They were crappy movies for teenagers. Captain but EO. Yeah, Captain EO, okay. <laughs> and, and what an affecting drama that was. I think I would have at least felt something because I was a morose kid who grappled with questions of suicide and not fitting in and harassment and I had the unrequited love for the troubled girl and stuff like that. So I think I would have felt some pull toward it. Mm -hmm. um, I imagine at the very least I would have made the effort to watch it. I think I would have found it to be more profound then than I find it now. I think I would have liked it. I think I, think I would have felt this is powerful, this speaks to me, this is real. And you know, hey, everyone else likes it. I would have jumped on the bandwagon. I, think the, I would have watched it. I think the profundity angle actually pays back to why is it popular. That's one of the things maybe I meant to yeah. say was that it is, it is extremely profound for a kid on that level, and that you would think you're you're reading Herman Wouk or or there's some right. sort of gigantic scaled up version of life that's tempestuous. This looks into my soul. 
If I was a kid, I don't think I would have liked this just because t today, much like yesteryear, I thought that entertainment for kids where it took kids very seriously is overblown. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that the life of a teenager has anything to show the culture. I don't think, I don't think art- Oh, come on, really? I really, I really- I've Life never, of a teenager is nothing to show the culture? <clears throat> I don't think there's anything illustrative or revelatory. It drives a lot of culture. It, it drives does. a lot of culture because we're obsessed with youth, not because okay. anything comes of it. But uh, don't you think there's something to be said for youth is where creativity lies? Why do you think so many rock stars are so young? Uh, well, and why they find it hard to make, to 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 stay innovative as they get older? Well, that's rock stars. You don't think popular music is an important part of a, a no, culture? It, it is, but I would I would exempt it from this. This is a different category. This is if you're talking about filmed entertainment so, uh, right. about that's taking it seriously. You know, I would say yeah, certainly some of my favorite uh, some of my favorite musicians did their best work in their early 20s. But, but none of your favorite filmmakers did. No, that's not even true. It's just that the movies they did weren't about being in your teens. Right. It was about something else. I, I'm not disputing the genius involved. What I'm disputing is putting the lens on something that's so small, so transient. It's being a, a universal teenage, experience. Being a teenager for me, it's four years you get out of it, you graduate, you're an adult, and you're done. Okay. And, and those themes don't ever but, get revisited. But don't you think it, it means something that everyone goes through those four years? And regardless of race or gender or sexuality or economic level, those four years have remarkable similarities. The sexual discovery, the socialization. Uh, construction of the adult self. Construction All of the adult self. You're I mean, this is, this is an almost universal experience. Sure. You don't think that's important? You don't I, think that drives culture? No, because I think it's, it's, um, it's not profound. In real life, it's not profound. It's almost like I would get more, uh, it's almost more to watch a, uh, like a Richard Attenborough uh, documentary about nature where you're watching larvae. Can't they both be profound? Uh, they maybe can. I mean, it's apples I, and oranges in a way. This is a great example because here's something that our, our contemporaries when we were younger, people really got into my so-called life. You brought yes. it up before and I'll, I'll uh, bring it up again. I, I actually read that Jay Asher who wrote the 13 Reasons Why book is apparently like a hardcore Super fan. Oh. Yeah, my so-called life fan. Yeah, I know that, and the, I'll mention this, but the weird thing about my so-called life, it was, it was made by Zwick and Her Herskovics, I think, were the two executive 30-something. 30-something guys. The weird thing is, is that my so-called life, I think, was from 91 to 93. It was very short, very short mm -hmm. run, maybe something like that. That came out at the same time that we were getting into maximum shoegazing disaffection and irony. That was the coming of grunge music, right. the coming of Kurt Cobain, these things happen around the same time. And yet, that show is very romantic with a capital R. Um, it's very earnest. Yes. It's, it, it's everything that we actually weren't. Uh, you know, like, culture was going towards Daria. And instead, we got Claire Danes. You don't think there was, there's romanticism and earnestness to grunge music? It was this... this Abjection of the soul. I, I was certainly feeling romantic and earnest in those years. No, the, I mean I was less into Nirvana and Soundgarden. I was more into the to Weezer and uh, the you know I'm talking about earnest and romantic. I'm talking. Have you listened to Eddie Eddie uh, Vedder looking at the holes in his jeans and his knees? You don't not, think he's being earnest with this not crap? Making, I, I think he's being disaffected. I think he's not making eye contact. He may be earnest, but it's going right past me because there's no connection. You were a freak, man. I wasn't relating to what was supposed to be sold to me. Like, I'm supposed to be interested in this because I'm a teenager. And it's like, well, this is saying absolutely fuck all about how I'm feeling and about what I'm going through on a daily basis. It, there was not a single bit. And the thing is, I was too young to have the ability to sort of 
uh, leave my body and leave my own small world and see, oh, this is another story I can, I can get, I, I like, get lost in. I mean, you've gotten to this before, but I think you were an outlier. The reason bands like that, art like that, and art like this becomes popular among teenagers is because it does say something to them. You think Kurt Cobain screaming a denial over and over again didn't speak to some... No. I thought it didn't was, speak to you. I thought right, it was. Fine. I thought it was empty. I thought it was disaffected. I thought it was ironic. It You're could, just a weirdo. Man. I thought Kurt Cobain was picking up something beautiful, looking at it, looking at you, and then just keeping eye contact as he looked and it dropped on the floor in front of you, saying, "What did you think of that? Did that make you feel like something? I don't care. It's a beautiful vase." And, and I he killed it. himself over it. And he killed himself over it. It's like it's like the the biggest yawner of a what the fuck, who cares suicide of all time was Kurt Cobain. When I was watching the world <laughs> weep. I was like, what are you talking about? This guy gave you absolutely nothing. Kurt I Cobain, don't agree. Kurt Cobain was agree, so man. interested in making sure that you didn't give a fuck about him or anything that he did. The rules here are pretty simple. There are only two. Rule number one, you listen. Number two, you pass it on. Hopefully, neither one will be easy. It's not supposed to be easy, or I would have emailed you an MP3. Is this a sign? Is the popularity of 13 Reasons Why a sign of the apocalypse? I feel like well-crafted, serious uh, entertainment that treats life and death issues seriously, um, with a lot of credence and in a very sort of useful, utilitarian way, could almost never be considered a sign of the apocalypse by me. However, I think there's a structural flaw in this show, uh, and it was in the book as well. The very conceit of this show is suicide fantasy. Hear me out on this one. And this is my, this is my, my idea. I think it was a Washington Post uh, uh, reviewer had said this. You have a woman who is, well, a person, let's just say a person in this case, who's calmly and carefully coming up with this cork board with yeah. red thread, uh, yeah. uh, this, this big, th yeah, this elaborate, uh, elaborate scheme that yeah. involves boxes yeah, this, this and maps. And Heath Ledger, Joker level. Exactly. Yeah, and it's like, and Rube it's, it's Goldberg. So, it's so thing. calm. It's so, it's, yeah. it's like an Well, that's why I say she doesn't strike me as a suicidal person. This is so well thought out. It's so cogent. It's so well designed. It's literally every single thing a person who is interested in, a person who is desperate enough to feel like they're suicidal, would want to say, you get to sit back and enjoy the spoils of your death. You're hearing her voice the entire series. It's almost like she's sitting in a uh, manager's box at a grocery store with that watching the goings on of everybody scrambling right. to take care of it. So it's like she gets to kill herself and she gets to enjoy everybody feeling like we all fucked up. We are all to blame for the death of Jesus in this case. And so it's a fantasy. It's a fantasy that you get to, first of all, perfectly state what you want to yeah, say to everybody, yeah. which you don't, from my experience, you don't get to do that. No. Was it Tom Sawyer, right? Where Tom Sawyer, Huck, Huck Finn goes to his own funeral in Huck, yes. Huckleberry Finn. And everybody is, you know, it's like Mark Twain was genius for creating this conceit. The first time I think I've ever seen it, anyone's maybe ever seen it literature, where you get to sit at your own funeral and see people wail and rend their right. garments and give you encomiums for how great you are. Right. And that's kind of what's happening here. Yes. And it's like the apocalypse part is if somebody looks at this and they say, yeah, I want all yeah. of this too. Yeah. Well, that one of the criticisms of people who have gotten on the show because it, they say it's unhealthy messages about suicide or whatever is a lot, certainly when I was quote unquote contemplating suicide, and it's a bit of a cliche, the fantasy, like, yeah, if I kill myself, everyone will feel so bad. Obviously, it's a terrible reason to kill yourself, as if there's any good reason. It creates the ultimate fantasy of that, of like, how I will get my revenge from the grave kind of thing. Right, he's, he's Bill's imitating a... a Dr. A, Fives. A, a, a handlebar mustache. Right? Yeah. Um, so yes, I hear you on that. I mean, apocalypse, 
Now, come personal on. Personal apocalypse. Yeah, all right. Fair enough. You if know. it makes one kid kill themselves who wouldn't otherwise kill themselves. Unless that kid's a total asshole. Uh, I don't think it's a sign of the apocalypse, even if I don't think it's the greatest piece of drama in the world. The asterisk I will give it is if this becomes what passes for dark humor, then we're all fucked. Because black comedy is something the world needs. I am a huge proponent of black comedy. I am constantly joking about my own death. I am constantly contemplating the deaths of people close to me and loved ones. And jo you know, I have no problem with jokes about the Holocaust or 9-11. I have a belief there is a time and place for everything. And that includes types of humor. And yes, jokes about the Holocaust or 9-11 or rape, there are fewer times and fewer places and you have to be more careful about it. If we are, as a society lose touch with what I think is the value of black humor, black comedy, of laughing at suicide, laughing at the face of teen angst, um, I think we really lose something. Yeah. And I hope this doesn't point the way in that direction. That the only way we can talk about serious topics is with a complete, no jokes here kind of thing. Yeah. You know, so I don't want to see 8,000 every teen show from now on, like, no, we can't have jokes. My issue here is I think no matter what serious topics you're talking about, being a teenager, teenage years, there's so much potential for humor. And I see so many places where there can be jokes yeah, here, where these kids wrong. can screw around, where these kids can have fun. A kid could have yeah. black humor. I mean, yeah. there are even moments where in Hannah's narrative, she's being like arch and like smart ass, yeah, yeah. but she's not particularly funny. Mrs. Bradley doesn't have a clue what it's like to be our age. I find it best to confront the issue head on by saying, pardon me, but you really hurt my feelings. I thought you had some good ideas. Have you ever in your life been able to confront an issue head on? Is your dislike, to the extent you dislike this, is your dislike of this show jealousy? Um, well, I don't know if the- Sour if, grapes, my If friend? the crafter, no, I don't think so. I mean, it's the thing is, I don't think I have a dislike of it. Um, I, I don't begrudge the fact that it exists, nor the creator's inspiration for making it, nor the effort they put into it. Um, I feel like it doesn't take anything away from me. If I have any dislike of it, it's merely uh, the taste thing, where it's just not, it's not designed to appeal to me. Right. It's, um, and we talk about that all the time. Yeah, exactly. It winds up being a very casual dislike of just a pop culture property, where it's sitting in mm -hmm. the grid with any number of other things that I'm sure are great pieces of programming. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the difficult work that 13 simple things about killing yourself. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> 13 simple rules. For Emily's reasons why not. 13 reasons a girl in a pizza place. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it has to do a lot to set itself apart from all of the, um, the defenders' and the glows of the TV landscape. Yes. And, you know, for me, again, it's, it's designed for teenagers, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... It, it already has a tough road to hoe with me. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I don't think I could point to jealousy in this instance. Well, you know, you say it's designed for teenagers, so I'm not jealous. Where it's, for me, the small extent I am jealous of it is because it's designed for teenagers. And, you know, the more I think about it, I think there's an element of, if not this, I kind of wish something like this had been part of the conversation when I was a kid. You know, I occasionally do get jealous of kids now because I feel like the misfit I am would have had more of a place in the teenage world of today. I don't doubt that. Than then. So it would have been nice if there had been discussions of teenagers contemplating suicide, you know, beyond Depeche Mode songs. The dorks and dweebs and people who stay pushing the lockers now get taken seriously, and that is threatening to these characters, mm. characters, people. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, a little jealousy. I wish this had been part of the conversation when I was a lad. If you'd like to find past episodes, look on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, tweet to us at 
Noah and Bill show. Write to us at Noah and Bill don't get it at gmail.com. Visit I don't get it podcast.com. Give us a review on iTunes. I am on Twitter at William Scurry. I am on YouTube. A.M. Caesar. Noah Tarno, where are you at? Uh, I am at Noah Tarno. I've kind of, uh, on Twitter, I've kind of stalled out on my 2017 uh, karaoke marathon. I'm trying to sing 400 songs this year, and partly because of travel this summer, I've, I am coming up on two weeks without singing. So when I get back to San Francisco, overdrive. Uh, I've really got to hit the pedal and metal. I've got, got 139 more songs to do. I think I'll make it, but you know, I've been, definitely been lax this summer. Uh, so that's me personally. In terms of business, uh, I'm all about BigQuizThing.com, the Big Quiz Thing, at Big Quiz Thing. Uh, tw- uh, trivia game shows for corporate and private events, BigQuizThing.com. All right. The best trivia game in all of Beirut. <laughs> God willing, someday we will bring peace to the Middle East. Until next episode, we will continue to not get it. I don't get it. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2017.